Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. So money is a strategy game. Your money game is how you choose to play it. So get it on paper. Put your X's and O's on paper, see your numbers, and then shift your perspective. Instead of saying, I don't have, or I can't do, or I don't know how to budget, shift it. I can do this. I will do this. And I'm going to have a specific amount of money in my account by the end of next month. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Come to Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the show. I am so glad to have you here. If you've been listening for a while now, you know that I love sports. I was a former semi-pro athlete, and I've been involved in sports since I was really, really young. These days, I just mainly sit on the couch and watch my favorite teams and players, but I have a very strong athlete mindset. 
That's one of the reasons I was so excited to have Hillary Salier come on the show. Hillary is the definition of a serious boss. She is a certified financial educator and coach for get the seven NFL teams. And she teaches people how to win with their money. I love this idea. She is also the founder of Financial Footwork, which is a financial education platform that coaches people through overcoming the stress and failures that stem from limited to no financial education, which is pretty much all of us. Hillary is sharing how to create a winning money game plan, just like a pro athlete would in this episode. I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money. So thrilled to bring you this episode. Let's jump into it. I wanted to start out uh, with this idea. You have kind of a, a great way of thinking about savings. And I think with money, it's so easy to overlook the really seemingly easy stuff like saving money. But I love your message that saving money is sexy because we don't we don't like tend to put those two things together. So walk us through a little bit like what what makes saving money sexy? Well, first and foremost, uh, let's start with how do you feel when you save money? Ooh. And it's all it's all in how do you feel when you save money? Not does somebody know what your bank account balance is or are people looking at how much you've earned? No, it's all about you and how you feel. And saving money is sexy is so much more than just um, it's cool to have a nice bank account. There's actually a confidence that comes with saving money. And that confidence is completely internal and it's something you feel. But every time you throw another $100 in your savings account, I mean, you tell me, how do you feel when that happens? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, it feels it feels comfortable, like it feels um very rewarding and for me it's like a like a sense of safety, I guess. Mhm. And there's a lot of emotions with money. And most people don't want to talk about the emotions behind money because A, they don't really believe it exists or B, they just don't want to talk about it because money is a fear-based concept for them. And I like to flip it. I like to flip the idea of money being this negative, this thing we can never get enough of. We can't really get where we want to go. I personally think shifting the mindset helps shift the perspective and the thoughts on money, which allows you to change how you use it. And when we say saving money is sexy or train your money or those positive affirmations, we're talking about the confidence that you get when you start to understand your money a bit more and how you're using it to build the lifestyle you want so that you can have that nice fatty bank account and feel really good when you go out to dinner and have to pay for that meal and you're not feeling the stress of, do I have enough money in my bank account to make this happen? And you bring up this idea of fear around money. And I, I totally believe that that's true. We talk about that a lot on this show. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, just from your perspective, I feel like we live in a very scarcity, money scarcity driven world society. And I'm not quite sure even how that happens. It feels almost like we're born into this. What are your thoughts on that? I would completely agree. I think being born into it is part of it. I also think um, how you are raised with money is a big player in how you see it in life. I'll give you an example. I was talking to a friend of mine. We were at a restaurant and um, I'd gone down to LA to visit him. And we were sitting at this restaurant. I don't know this guy very well, but I said, do you mind if I ask you a question? He says, well, it depends on what it is. 
And he was explaining to me, right? (laughs) He was explaining to me that him and his wife do not see eye to eye when it comes to money. In his mind, money's always going to be there and he's always going to be able to make it and it's going to be okay. He's a really positive person with money. Uh, Money to him is not fear-based, but his wife scrapes together every penny. She gets nervous when they spend too much on an airline flight. Everything for her is scarcity mindset. I can't get enough. There won't be enough. We aren't going to have what we need. And I asked him, I said, when your wife was growing up, did she grow up wealthy or poor? And he said, well, her dad was fairly wealthy. He was a doctor. And I said, okay. And I said, did her dad have fear with money? And he said, he did. He was always worried they were never going to have enough. And I said, well, let's think about this for a second. If she grew up in a scarcity mindset and she grew up with a father who, although he is a doctor and earns a lot of money, if he didn't know how to manage that money and that money started disappearing or it wasn't enough for him. And she felt that not just hearing it, but she's actually feeling the stress emanating off of him. She's going to develop fear with money. She's going to develop a mindset that money is a scarce commodity that it's hard to get. So she's going to carry that with her through her formative years as a young adult and a teen. And by the time she's earning money, now she's got that entire mindset of there's never going to be enough. I have to save. I have to save. And it's always going to be a stressor. So fear with money, I truly believe is a developed fear. And it's developed by what you know and what you learn as you are growing up. So if you grow up where money isn't a problem and you don't have to worry about it, chances are you're not going to have as much fear with it as somebody who's constantly talking about it and seeing fear with it. Um, Again, that goes to the psychology of money piece, which a lot of us like to push to the back burner. But man, does it play a part in everything we do financially? I have a very similar story to the one you're talking about. I grew up um, in a family where we were probably, you'd place us in more of the affluent section. Uh, I always though shopped, we always shopped at the sale racks. You know, my mom and I, we love to go shopping and it was just, well, why would we pay full price? Let's always go to the sale rack. So I kind of had these like mixed messages. And then as a kid, we would go on these vacations and they would be great vacations. But then on the way home, my dad would be kind of nitpicking every expense. We spent this on this and this on this. And it would always turn into this really negative uh, trip home. Mm-hmm. And that really that really stayed with me. And it took me a long time to realize that I was really mimicking a lot of those patterns. And that even when I would feel more financially secure, I still was operating in scarcity. And you know, I'm a certified financial planner. And so when I would work with clients, I would be like, oh my gosh, like, you know, here, here, here's where they are. They're either in this piece or this piece. And, but you're right. We just don't, we don't really consciously spend time thinking about that because we don't really think that matters. We think all that matters is the numbers. Right. And I would say that money is 99% mindset, 1% the numbers. Yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree. (laughs) Right. And it, it has everything to do with And and you'll hear me say this a million times. I tell my NFL players this. I tell my uh, consumer clients, my company clients, if you can't manage $1,000, you can't manage $10,000, you can't manage $100,000. It's not how much money you have. It's how you manage it. Now, people are going to say, well, I don't have a lot of money. Okay. I'm not saying that this solves every problem. But what I'm saying is if you can get down to understanding yourself, 
your spending habits, and what you need to live, you can manage to what you're earning a whole lot more than if you just ignore it. Like we've talked about, even you said he got nitpicky after the vacation. Your pops got nitpicky after the vacation, but he enjoyed himself while he was on it. And that level of regret is how a lot of people operate nowadays because it's so easy to just click and ship and swipe the card and keep going. And then when the bill comes, you go, oh man, I overspent this month. Well, that sucks. And your savings dwindles and your confidence with money starts to fail. And then you get into a perpetual cycle of not being able to control what you can control, which is how you spend. And so taking it back to saving is sexy. I, I'll, I'll never forget it. My, my little brother was actually very formative in how I view money. Surprisingly enough, he was younger than me and uh, he's two years younger than I am. He invested his first $1,000 when he was eight years old and he picked the stocks. Um, he mowed lawns and, and earned all the money and he picked the stocks he wanted to invest in and started working with our, our family's FA at the time. I could have cared less. I was 10 years old and I couldn't tell you what stocks were. What. I didn't even know what the stock market was. My brother was so into it. And I remember him going into his room and he had a coin counter, one of those really cool coin counters that does all these weird little tricks and it drops the coins in different ways, but it counts it for you. And I remember watching him drop his coins in. And as the balance kept stacking up, he would get more and more excited. And I thought, oh, I want my piggy bank to be that big too. And it almost becomes an addiction. Saving money can be a very addicting thing. When you see the money starting to stack up, you want to do more. And it's a good it's a good addiction, but sometimes it can be detrimental because it can push you into the never spend any money category. So it's again, it's all about finding that balance and finding your confidence with money to make your things work for you. I love that. I love the idea of balance. I talk about that a lot because I really feel that's kind of the 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 place where most of us need to exist because somehow we created this world where we have to be perfect around money, which is absolutely not the case. We're not always going to be out of debt. We're not always going to be in debt. We're not, you know, I mean, there's, you know, this, there's, there's always a balance to everything and an ebb and flow. And so I think it's really important to talk about that as well and, and talk about it in real life situations so that people understand like, oh, this is, this is way money should operate. Oh yeah, it's never perfect and things do ebb and flow and your budget should be, it is not an immobile thing. Your budget is your roadmap to your money and it should be changing with your life as you're going through life. And I think a lot of people get in their mind that, oh, I didn't do this month right. So the whole thing's a wash. Have you ever had someone just tell you, oh, I, I blew my budget this month. Well, might as well just wait till next month. A hundred percent. Or it just doesn't work. So I'm not ever going to do it. That's usually what I get. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, that is where people get stuck. Money isn't, it's not something that's ever going to be perfect. It's a strategy. It's a game. Your money is you deciding where things are going to go in your life, whether that's you're buying something off of a sale rack, like you were saying, or you're saving for a house, you're playing a strategy game with the money that you have. And that strategy is your budget. So I work a lot with, um, with the NFL and I approach money from an athletic perspective nine times out of 10. And that is that my budget is my game playbook. So ironically, we're doing this podcast today, which is so cool because it is literally the start of the NFL season today. So my rookies are playing their first game today, which is so cool. Um, But when we're doing rookie camp, and I I just finished with Cleveland a couple days ago with their rookie class, 
we were talking about how do you strategically play the game of money? And I said, well, the first thing you have to do is start with a budget. You always have to start with your budget. I said, oh, I don't want to hear about budgets. They all hate budgets. Well, they like them now, but they didn't like them in May when I first met all of them. <laughs> um, and I said, your budget's your playbook. It's your strategy. It's the X's and O's of your money. You are going to determine where your money goes and how you're going to make it work for you. And in that process, you've taken control of any fear that might be in your mind, any regret that you might have month to month. And you are continuing to play the game, even if you drop a pass or let somebody else get a touchdown. Sometimes you're not going to win the game, but it's not always about winning the game. It's about winning the season. It's about having a winning season. And that resonated with them. That really made sense to them. They said there might be a transaction where you have to buy something because life happens and you don't quite have enough money. So you're going to have to work next month to pay last month off. That happens. That's real life. And that really, I think, is part of the way that we describe money um, through my company to everybody, because most people understand sports and they realize that sports is strategy, sometimes a little bit of luck being in the right place at the right time. But mostly it's understanding where you're supposed to be and how to play the game. Oh, I like that. I'm I'm a sports fanatic myself, so <laughs> love that reference. Tell me how how did you get involved uh, working with NFL players in this capacity of being their financial educator? Yeah, about um, <clears throat> 10 years ago, I was, well, more than that now, let's, let's go like 12 years ago, I guess. I was at Oregon State University in my senior year, and a bunch of my friends got drafted to the NFL. And I was helping them with finances at that point. I was really working with them on what does finance look like? How do I get a credit card? All the basics, because I was getting my degree in finance and I had zero clue what I wanted to do with it. I knew I didn't want to go into investments because my brother was already on that route and he made me feel real stupid when he'd start talking. So I went, okay, I'm not going to be a good um, investment financial advisor, but I loved fundamentals and I loved um, understanding how loans worked and how to leverage credit to build wealth. And I started really getting into the banking side of things. Um, while I was in college, because I was very poor in college. Uh, my mom was very sick and there were a lot of hospital bills and I was taking out student loans just to keep myself afloat. Um, my college career wasn't what you would call glamorous by any means, but a few of my friends were on the football team. They helped me out from time to time. So my return to them was helping them with finance. And when they got drafted to the NFL, the calls still kept coming. And hey, how do I take out a car loan? How do I negotiate this? What do I do if I want to buy a house? And so I started having to learn with them because I was only 22 at the time. And I got into financial education at 24 and started developing programs for companies, private sector companies and government entities, and realized I really loved it. I really loved teaching finance, but my roots were always in sports. So I spent five and a half years and hours and hours of hours training speaking, providing free services across uh, my community, which I'm in Portland, Oregon. And I racked up about 5,000 speaking hours. And I finally pitched one of the NFL teams that my buddy was on. And sure enough, they hired me in 2017. And then wow. after that, we went from one NFL team to two, to four, to six, to eight, to talking to every single team in the league and having a relationship now with the NFL league office, which is really cool. Um, and so we teach fundamentals of finance. And for me, I think that's the perfect place to start when you're 22, 22 to 35, understanding how your money works so that you can build wealth. And that's what we do. 
weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. 
Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete.me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete.me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete.me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete.me is not just a one-time service. Delete.me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete.me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete.me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. Hey there. Okay, I just want to let you know one quick thing before we dive back into the episode. Traditionally, you'd hear an Ask Shauna right here in this episode, but what we've decided to do is change things up on the show. And actually, we're going to be changing a lot of things over the next couple of months, but you're going to hear more about that later. So what we've decided to do is to take the Ask Shauna questions and turn them into a full episode every Sunday. So Be sure to tune in to all of our episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays and every Sunday where you can hear Ask Shauna questions answered. So if you've got a question, head right on over to the show notes and I will definitely get your question answered. Okay, back to the show.
I love it. What a cool story. Yeah. And I would argue that the fundamentals are always important. Uh, I've worked with plenty of people in their 50s and 60s where I'm like, okay, we have to come back to the fundamentals. <laughs> yes, yes. We have to go back to square one because that's really where that's really where the magic is, I believe. And we all want to jump to the the stuff that feels very glamorous, the investing and all the really complex stuff. But I believe the magic really happens in the fundamentals, my personal opinion. But I'm curious, okay, there are a couple of things I want to talk about in, in what you just mentioned. But one of the things you said was using credit to build wealth. So tell me about this. Yeah, okay. So um, here's, here's my stance on credit. Now I take a bit of a different stance on credit than a lot of people do as a financial educator, um, and a consumer. I mean, I, I come at this as a person too, not just somebody who's spewing information. Uh, when I was in college, one of the things that my father impressed upon me was never get yourself into unnecessary debt. I was like, okay, I hear you. Now I'm taking out student loans going, <laughs> I don't know if this is good or bad, but we're going to find out. <laughs> We're going to find out. And um, what he was telling me was, don't use credit cards to finance your lifestyle. Build yourself the lifestyle you want through what you already have. And what I learned in college was, and I was in college before the um, Fair Credit Reporting Acts were launched, where you can't now sell credit cards on college campuses. When I was in college, I could take out a credit card a week and not have a problem. Yeah, me too. Right. It was just a really bad place. Now, I didn't do that, but a lot of my friends did because they thought, oh, I get this credit card and I can spend the limit on it and I'm good to go without realizing yeah, you have to pay that back with interest. I understood innately what that was because I grew up in a financial household. I was very lucky in that regard. Now, my friends were not. And so what I started seeing was, hey, I have all these bills I have to pay. I have to pay my cell phone bill. I have to pay my electricity. I have to pay my cable bill because I need Wi-Fi in order to actually do my college classes. I have to pay for insurance on my car. I have to pay for my gas and my groceries. There are all these life expenses that I'm budgeting for every month that I must pay for. Is there some way for me to leverage the things that I have to pay for and get something out of it? And the answer is yes. So I went to my dad and I said, okay, my monthly bills, including my rent, total about $1,300 a month. That's about what I was spending in college for everything, which this day and age would be a double or triple that number where I went to university. It's just, that's how the cost of living has structured itself over the last 15 years. Um, but I went to my dad and I said, I have to pay $800 a month outside of my rent on all the things to live. Is there a way for me to earn something for this money? I said, I know you have an American Express. Like, what does that mean? So he explained to me what rewards cards were how they were leveraged correctly. But if I didn't pay it off, I would be paying the bank interest. And I said, well, let me get this straight. The bank's going to give me cash back or points to pay for the crap I have to pay for. And I can use those points to go on a trip. He said, yeah, in essence. And I said, get out of town. Well, I didn't use that. I, I was like, get that out of here. He's like, no, that's how he goes. How do you think we fund your vacations every year? And I said, I don't know. Savings? He said, no. He said, I use my travel rewards points to get the hotel, the rental car, and our flights. So when we take a three-day vacation, because we didn't do big vacations, that we didn't have a lot of money after my mom got sick. But prior to that, we would do three-day vacations to the beach or down to California. He would fund it all on his rewards points. 
And I said, so let me understand this. You're earning money, you're saving money, and you're getting points to go do some of the fun stuff we want to do. And it's not costing you anything. It's actually allowing you to continue building wealth in your savings account. Plus we get to do the fun stuff. He said, yeah, in essence. I said, well, why aren't people doing this? And he said, because <laughs> people aren't responsible with credit cards. And I said, gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. So when I talk to my players about building wealth with credit, what I am talking to them about is adding to an added value to your financial picture is being able to leverage credit the right way for the stuff that you have to pay for without getting carried away. So it requires serious discipline and a budget. But these guys have discipline. They know how things work. And if we get them on a budget at a young enough age, they don't go crazy on credit. In fact, we do credit competitions. So by the end of the season, most of these guys will go from having zero credit score to the mid 700s, which in, in this world is a very good thing. Um, and so we actually focus a lot on credit because credit allows you to propel businesses. It allows you to leverage a home because it's too expensive this day and age to buy a, ca a house cash. It just is. So get your interest deduction for it. And so all of the little things that we know we need in life or want in life, if we have good credit and we leverage credit the right way, it just adds to our wealth profile. It doesn't take away from it. But again, like you said, balance. If you are an overspender, credit cards are not for you. You can't just spend to get the rewards. That's not the point. You're using it to pay for the things you must pay for and earn a little something back for life's expenses. That's mm, so good. Yeah, I want to I want to ask you one other question. You might have some good thoughts on this. So I had a, a listener question come in and she was sharing that she had been signing up for some of the investing apps that are out there mm -hmm. and noticed that it actually lowered her credit score by about 40 points or so. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you and I both know that credit scores do ebb and flow as well. This is this is the way they work. We don't ever just get to like an 800 score and stay there usually. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, how do you how do you get the right mindset and and also proactively kind of counteract some things like this? Now, of course, I don't know her whole credit profile and there's probably you and I both know lots of other reasons that maybe this could have happened. Yeah. But just curious, you know, what your thoughts are since you spend so much time talking about credit. Yeah. So let's start with basics of credit real quick. Credit ebbs and flows, like you said. Uh, your score is going to change day by day. And that's solely based on your usage of your credit cards and or loans and your length of history with credit. A lot of people don't realize this, but credit's your reputation with money. Credit is your way of telling somebody who's gonna lend you money whether or not you're gonna pay them back. It's kind of like me going to my friend and saying, you know, hey, Wit, I wanna borrow 50 bucks. And she knows I'm good for it. She's probably gonna give me that 50 bucks. But if I go to her and I never pay people back and I'm always trying to borrow money and she knows she's never gonna see it again, she's going to be less likely to give me that 50 bucks I'm asking for. That's in essence what credit is for a lending institution. They're looking at you and me as somebody that they could extend credit to, but are we going to pay them back? And your credit score indicates for that lender whether or not you're credit worthy. Now, that's high level. If we get down to the nitty gritty, what can drop your score 40 points? Here's one of my biggest credit tips. 
It's called credit utilization. It's 30% of your credit score. 30% of your credit score is how you use your revolving credit lines, your credit cards. You should only use 30% of your available credit limit at any given time. If you use more than that, it's called maxing out your credit card. We've all, we've all heard the terms, oh, I maxed out my credit card. Your credit score can drop up to 100 points by maxing out a credit card. Wow. Because what you're doing from a lending perspective and from the algorithms perspective that's putting your score together, if you've gone from using 30% of your credit card to all of a sudden using 90%, the algorithm sees that something financially bad happened to you. Now, it might not have been something financially bad. You might have bought a $5,000 bed, financed it for the points, and you plan on paying it off. But the algorithm looks at it and says, whoa, you used way more than what you're supposed to. We're going to drop your score because you've now become a credit risk. That's one of the biggest things that drops people's credit score that most people don't understand. So simple math, if your credit limit's 10 grand, your balance on that card should never be more than three grand a month, 30%. So you can do the math on any credit limit at any time. 30% of that credit limit, never use more than that. For people that have small credit limits because they're concerned about spending, they're the ones who actually see uh, more hits to their score than people with larger credit limits because they have less money to work with and they could max something out a lot faster. Right. Yeah. So, good advice. Yeah. Yeah. It can get a little dicey. If you don't know about credit, now's the time to learn. Um, it's honestly, once you've mastered it and it doesn't take that long to master, once you've mastered it, you can get your score up in the high 700s and it can roll that way for the rest of your life. But it's just an, I, it's just understanding how that algorithm works and what components your credit score is actually consistent of. Yeah, and I want to go back to talking a little bit about the pro sports players that you work with because I think we tend to think that they have money all figured out. <laughs> that certainly because they might make a lot of money that somehow they have this all figured out. But, you know, what are you've already shared a couple of them, but what are maybe your top of 3 or so or one or two even tips that you share most? working with pro athletes, like things that might surprise us that we don't think pro athletes might get, you know, hung up on. Yeah. You know, I, I think what I, I want to do is um, not so much tip. Well, I'll give some tips, but I think a lot of people look at pro athletes and assume they make a lot of money when the reality of it is most, well, and this is NFL. I'm going to speak specifically to the NFL because that's who I work with. Most NFL players will, will leave the NFL and they will not have earned after taxes a million dollars. Wow. That is so hard to believe. So let me break it down for you this way. The rookie salary in the NFL this year is $660,000. That's what every rookie in the NFL will make. Now, if that rookie has a signing bonus, different story. But you have to remember that the signing bonuses only go from rounds one through seven, which means there's 32 guys in round one, 32 guys in round two, so on and so forth. And you have to think about the actual scale and size of these groups of guys. There aren't that many of them. Well, if you think that only the first and second rounders are the ones making over a million dollars in signing bonuses, the third rounders and down don't make a million dollars on their signing bonus. And then after taxes, they'll see half of that. Most of these guys aren't millionaires until they hit their third season. 
technically speaking, if they even get to the third season, because the average lifespan in the NFL is 3.3 years, the average lifespan. That assumes the team doesn't cut you, that you don't get injured, and that you're not on the practice squad. So again, talking money, not everyone's going to make the 660 in the season because if they get injured, they're not making that. And if they're on the practice squad, they're not making that salary. Um, so even if they miss one game, that's one game check they're not getting paid. So it's it's play to get paid. If you don't play, you don't get paid. And a lot of people just assume these guys are being handed millions of dollars. Basically one to two rookies per team per year getting handed something around that amount. That's it. And then if you're wow. lucky enough to make it to a second contract, which only about, I think the last stat I saw was 17% of guys will make it to the second contract and stick with it through the entire second contract. You're not even guaranteed to make millions at that point either. It's a lot more likely you will, but it doesn't happen. So the long and short of it with the NFL players and the tips that I give them are this. Live your life like a C-level executive while you're in the league at 100000 a year, because chances are you'll make that, but you're only going to do it for a couple of years. So don't get your lifestyle ahead of you. That goes for anyone coming out of college. That goes for anyone in their first job. You don't need to compete with the next person. You don't need to compete with the guy in the locker room. Compete with your bank account. That's, that's who you should be competing with. If your bank account isn't as pretty as you'd like it to be, there's where your competition is. And then my second tip is budgeting. I always tell the guys and I tell every client and consumer I work with, if you don't have a budget, you are not going to build wealth. Wow. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Wow. You've you've given us so many uh, amazing tips. I hate to be um, greedy and ask for another one, but I, I really want to wrap up with this idea of, of winning with your money. I, I really love this. I think it's something we can all wrap our heads around. So is there is there maybe taking it to like a mindset tip or something that we can walk away with where we can feel really empowered that we can really win with our money? Absolutely. So money is a strategy game. Your money game is how you choose to play it. So get it on paper. Put your X's and O's on paper, see your numbers, and then shift your perspective. Instead of saying, I don't have, or I can't do, or I don't know how to budget, shift it. I can do this. I will do this. And I'm going to have a specific amount of money in my account by the end of next month. And set some attainable, easy to reach goals to get yourself the confidence you need to start saving and budgeting the right way. Because it only takes 21 days for your mindset to shift. If you can be positive for that amount of time towards your money and then continue to push that forward, you can change your money game and you can actually start winning instead of feeling like your money is controlling you. So good, Hillary. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of these amazing gems with us. I would love for you to tell everyone listening if they want to connect with you, if they want to learn from you, where do they find you? Yeah, go to financialfootwork.com or you can find us on Instagram at financialfootwork. Um, or Facebook or TikTok. Um, I don't typically do TikTok. I'm a little bit older than I need to be to be on there, but I like to do some funnies every once in a while around money. But financialfootwork.com, we have a 12-week training program, gets you on the track to success with money. Uh, we're coming out with our credit program actually in about a month. So I'm launching a full-scale how do you leverage credit to build wealth program. So check it out, get on the mailing list and um, happy to help anyone that has questions. So please reach out to us. 
There are so many uh, just amazing tips that Hillary shared in this episode, but I really like that she shared that money is equal parts strategy and mindset, and I just couldn't agree more. I think that we really overlook the mindset piece, and sometimes we even look overlook the strategy piece. We just we just go straight to like how much money is in my bank account. But it really takes both of those things to have a winning combination or I guess to have financial success is ultimately what it comes down to. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you could share it with a friend or family member. That is one of the ways the show continues to grow, so it would mean so much to me. As always, you can find links to Hillary and all the episode sponsors right in our show notes. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com, where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.